guys, how much sleep did we get last night? You went to bed past noon. Look at you guys. That's impressive for you. Does anybody go to bed past one? This is where you're looking around. Like, I don't do that now. Um, yeah, I had a I had an interesting group in my thank you very much. Um, I uh, I had a group in, in our micro lodge. I don't know which example the group ended up being. I was four. But let's just say they have a very interesting cheer to have for you later on today. I don't know when they show those, but I promise you I'll be there whenever that one gets up there. Um, so, uh, so last night we started off, we began, and uh, we did a little bit of an intro, right? A little bit of an intro on what we're going to be looking at this week. We're going to be looking at... Um, uh, we're going to be looking at a, uh, a series called Obey Your Faith. Obey Your Faith. And this is an interesting series because some of you, as we talked about last night, many of you, James, really, really excited about that first word. Right? You came really, really excited about that first word. And uh, one of the things I said last night was, uh, one of my hopes for this series is that for some of you or many of you, you'd be really disappointed. In this, in this series, not in the whole, the whole week, that'd be terrible, but, but, but this series, that you, that you would be disappointed. Uh, because, remember, what we talked about, we finished last night with this. Because all, all week long, we're going to land on Christ. And I love what we just said in Christ alone. Because really, there's a, there's a song that I want to be a theme for what we're going to be looking at this week. It's as we look at obedience and the importance of obedience and why we should obey and why we must obey and why God has called us to obey in very, very direct ways. In the midst of all that, in Christ alone, and in his life and his death and his resurrection, that's where we must land. That's where we must stand. But as many of you also remember from last night, I talked a little bit about me in, in, in elementary school and, in teena, and when I was a teenager and how I had that glazed over look when somebody would teach sometimes. You're kind of like, ah, I'm sort of interested in this. And then you start thinking about what you're going to do after school. You start thinking about the new movie that comes out this weekend. You start thinking about the cute girl who's sitting two rows behind you. You start thinking about whatever it might be. And then you start to glaze over. And then the person said, I love this, when the person says something like, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, crap, I have no idea what they were talking. And you're like, yeah. Sure, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, that's, that's a moment of, of glazed over disconnection, which is a form of disobedience. It's a form of knowing, this is something that I should be hearing and listening to, but I'm not hearing it right now. And in my heart of hearts, because I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it. Today we're going to be talking about um, what, I've, what I've called the foundation, the foundation of obedience. And we're going to land especially today on Jesus Christ. And the reason that I wanted to start here is, is this reason, that I think for many of us, for many of us, we hear what Christ has to say. You go to youth group, you go to church, we hear what Christ has to say, and, and even in a, in, a, in a series like this, in a, in a camp like this, guys, we might, not even, we might even nod and say, yes, that's right, that's good, that's true, I want to believe that, I want to know that, and not ever come anywhere close to doing or obeying anything that he actually has to say. We're really good, in other words, of saying, yeah, that's great, that's neat, awesome, it sounds wonderful, I can't wait to apply that, and nodding our heads amen to the truth, and then walking out the doors as unchanged people. And so this week we're going to talk about what does it mean to, to take grace and take what it means 
to have faith in this gospel, faith in this truth of what Jesus has done, and have it impact us in such a way that we can't walk out the doors unchanged, and we can't walk out different. Now, hold on real quick. I need to pause, because in a series like this, I think this is important to say. Something that I'm going to talk about a lot this week is obedience and, and um, living for Christ. And the temptation with a week like this, I'm just going to cut you off the pass. The temptation with a week like this is to say this. If I'm, if I'm really a Christian, is to, 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 to take it this way, really. If I'm really a Christian, I better be doing or saying these things that we're talking about this week. If I want to call myself a Christian, if, I want to, if I'm a Christian, I need to be doing these things. And there's an element, there's a piece of truth that we're going to see in that. But I want to clarify very early, and I want you to hear this very, very overtly. The gospel says that your identity is not wrapped up in what you do, but is wrapped up in what Christ has already done. The gospel says, as we talk about obedience this week, that your identity and your salvation is not wrapped up in what you do but is wrapped up in what Christ has already done. And I love uh, what Jeremy said earlier about, because of that, we, we now know and have confidence and faith that God is not disappointed in us. God is not disappointed. In, now, there might be an element of saying, I'm displeased with the way that you're living and your obedience, but I'm not disappointed with you. Because of what Christ has done, that is where our identity is. We need to say that. Before we get into anything this week, I want to make sure that's clear and also say, with that being said, that beautiful word of the gospel, John 14 says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. And that's why what we're talking about this week is important. Because when Jesus says something like, if you love me, obey my commandments in John 14, we need to think about what this obedience word, this obey word Really means. So today we're going to get into to this. What does it mean to have an appropriate view of grace, faith, and obedience? Really, all week we're going to be talking about this. And this week we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ. Or this this uh, this morning we're talking about Christ as a foundation for beginning to talk about obedience. Why is that? Before I jump into any of the tools or the enemies or the the ways, the joy of obedience, we need to create a good foundation. We need to create a good a good base for where we're going for it. And we're going to start with Jesus. So if you want to. Turn with me to, to Luke 6. We're going to be looking at a parable from Jesus uh, on, on foundation, really. That's what we're going to be looking at. This is going to be verses 46 through 49. It's, uh, the words are also going to be on the screen here. You can throw those up, or I guess I'll throw those up. Um, let's see, there we go. The words will be on the screen as well to follow along. This is a parable, and I'm going to set the stage here. In this parable, Jesus has just really gotten done with, not too long ago, with the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, if you know that, that area of Scripture well, that story well, the Sermon on the Mount is, is when, when believers, when a group of believers, people that are, that are pretty interested in Jesus, that have, have said, I, I believe in who Christ is and I want to follow him, or they're at least moderately interested in what he has to say. They're following him and they're listening to him. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is really giving a lot of very practical Uh, obedient-oriented things, Christian living. He's talking about Christian living. And this this parable comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? 
Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, help us this morning as as we talk about a, a parable in which you talk about what it means to hear and do your words that you would help us to to receive these things, think about these things, be challenged by these things, uh, and envelop these things that we hear in your grace for us, your love for us, that we would always, this whole week and and today and tonight, keep the cross, keep your work on the cross in mind as we hear these commandments of obedience. Thank you for this beautiful place that we're in. Help us to listen and focus um, and learn and grow this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this comes, this parable comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So he's just got done saying all this real practical stuff. And I love that at, at the end of this big teaching on very practical things, Jesus essentially says, now wait, remember. This is, why, this is how important these things I've just told you to do are. If you, if you hear what I'm, what, everything I just said and you do them, you are like building a house on a very strong foundation that will be, never be moved. And if you listen to everything I just told you in this Sermon on the Mount, and you don't do them, You're foolish. You might build a house. You might build something. And you're going to feel a sense of accomplishment in building this thing. But when there's no foundation, only ruin, only ruin will come your way. So the parable functions as this. It's a warning to those claiming to believe and follow Christ. So it's a warning to them to obey. But today we're going to look at how it addresses something a little bit deeper than that even. And this is what we're going to look at today. I'm going to be very honest with you. The parable impacts two questions that almost everybody in this room has asked. And it unpacks these two questions. Why should we obey? And how can I obey? Why should we obey? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Why should we obey? And how can we obey? And we as Christians, we talk about obedience and and growing in obedience in our lives. A lot of times these are walls that we hit up against. Why, why should I be doing this? If grace is this thing, and if I have faith, faith alone, I remember somebody talking about that at some point. If I have these things, why, why is obedience actually important? Why should I obey? And then if I want to, even how, how do I actually do that? We talk about sin all the time, too. We're sinners. How, how can I even think about obeying if, if these things are true? And Jesus addresses these things in this parable. So the first we're going to look at is, is what I call the, the purpose the purpose of obedience. We'll look at two things of the purpose of obedience. The purpose of obedience is dealing with this. Why should we obey? Why should I obey? And we'll look at two, two kind of sub-points of this idea of the purpose of obedience. Why should I obey? And the first thing I want you to look at, and look with me in, at Luke 6, is that he starts off and says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See what Jesus right off the bat is already saying about himself? He's saying, yes, I am Lord. This, this parable, this passage, the way that he's addressing these people, he's confessing, he's showing, he's labeling, he's, he's calling himself, he's knowing that they see him this way as well, is that I am the Lord. I am victor. I am authority. I am king. 
And so one of the purposes, one of the why should I obey is what I wrote down as the response. It's a response to who Christ is and what he's done. Why should we obey? Because if we think about the gospel, we think about who Christ is and what he's done on our behalf, there's a response to that. There's a natural, understandable, real, uncontrollable response to saying, you are the Lord. You are God himself, eternal. You came and lived a perfect life. You died on a cross for my sin. And in that moment, you beat death and sin. And then you rose again victoriously as my substitute. And something that I couldn't do. Therefore, you are God and you are Lord. Why do we respond in obedience? Because the one who is calling us to obedience is not just any other person. He is the Lord God. And he is worthy of our obedience. And, God, and, he, and he says that right off the bat with, why do you call me Lord, Lord? It's a response to his obedience. Our obedience is in a response to the obedience of our very Lord. This isn't a Lord who's, the way that we think of kings in our earthly world sometimes, is lording it over us, saying, ah, I came across this position, do what I say. This is a Lord who has earned his obedience by not only being God, but by being obedient to his Father on our behalf. If you, think of, if you look at Romans 2, you don't have to turn there, but if you look at Romans 2, Romans 2 is a very powerful, we're going to look at this verse often this week. Romans 2 says this, don't you know that God's kindness, God's grace, God's love for you, everything that God has done for you, the kindness of the grace he has shown, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. It's a response to God's goodness, kindness. We sang, we sang mercy a little bit ago. It's beautiful to hear your voices sing that. As we cry out mercy, that leads us, a response that leads us to saying, I desire to be obedient to you. Another thing that it does is it shows us results, the purpose. Why do we obey? Well, not only a response, but there's results. Jesus unfolds for you the results of what it means to not obey his words in very, very vivid terminology. The terminology he uses, he uses this idea of a, of a home being built on a foundation and a home being built not on a foundation. And, and again, with me, let, me, let me just read it really quick. Listen to the, the vivid language he uses. A flood arose, a stream broke against the house and could not shake it. In the other situation, the stream broke against it and immediately fell. And the ruin, he uses this, this thick word, ruin. The ruin of this house was great. Jesus flashes us a warning and says, listen, this, this is what happens to the individual, the, the, the people that hear my words and do not do them. Now, right now, bells are going off. Wait a second, what is he saying? If, I, if, I, if I'm not perfect, if I, if, I'm, if I have disobedience in my life, does it mean I'm going to hell? That's the question that we immediately run to, okay? Now, again, we're going to go back to our disclaimer at the beginning. Your purpose, your eternity, and your salvation is wrapped up and defined by what Jesus has already done and not in what you do. But it doesn't mean that Jesus still does not call us to obedience and talk about a sense of ruin. The way that I wrote it is this. Christ is unpacking a warning for the results in store for those that do not obey the words that he is speaking. And he uses this word ruin. And what he really wants us to understand is this. Those that listen to the words that he has to say and obey 
those are the folks that will stand when difficulty, when trial, when doubt, when struggle, when pain. We sang some real powerful words a little bit ago. I don't remember the exact way we sung them. But there was a song that talked about almost welcoming, saying, bring me devastation, bring me pain. Because I know that even in, even in my worst moments, I know that you still have good working. Which is a true reality in the Bible. But you know how hard that is to actually believe and trust and know and feel? And what Christ is saying is, not that it won't be difficulty in our lives, but we can stand in faith when those moments of difficulty and struggle and trial and doubt and pain and sinfulness and guilt and shame start to beat against you in your faith. Those that obey and have their obey rooted on a foundation, which we're going to look at in a moment, those folks stand. Those folks have a hope. Those folks have a thing to hold on to that are important to see. What he's doing is painting a vivid warning regarding the outcome of our obedience to his words. Anybody familiar with this place? The lighting doesn't show it well. Who knows where that's at? Does anybody know where that's at? Where's that? Not Brazil. France closer. Italy, bingo, we've got a winner. Um, This is one. This is a beautiful place. I've actually had the, the honor, the privilege of visiting this place. It's a place called Cinque Terre. Means the five towns, for those of you who know your Italian well or your Spanish even. Um, and, and the five towns are these, these five towns that all look very, very similar to this, all along the Italian Riviera, this beautiful place. And the cliffs you can see, it's not just the shallow shore. The cliffs just rise right out of the water. And these towns are built directly on these cliffs. And what, what people do is tourists go there and they, they start at the first town and they hike. And the hike is difficult because you're hiking the whole time kind of along this downward path and just really rocky terrain. And you go and you hop to each town and then you take a big boat ride back and you look at all of them and their beauty and it's wonderful. They're gorgeous. Some of the most gorgeous places to live in. I remember looking at that. And like many of us, who would not want to live there? Who would not want to set up shop there and say, this is awesome. I live in this beautiful pink house, uh, and I can go in the ocean whenever I want, and I'm in Italy, that's cool, Italian food's awesome. Who would not, you look at that and say, who would not, who would not want to live there? It looks perfect. And guess what? In times of ease, in times of beautiful weather, in times when everything is great and the sun is out and it's gorgeous, in many ways it is a very beautiful, perfect place to live. In 2013, a massive, massive rainstorm hit uh, hit Cinque Terre, hit that side of Italy, and and for days it rained. And what happened is this. This is what the town looked like afterward, especially one in particular. Uh, And I didn't find any really good pictures of it, but what what happened is you can see the streets, everything in these towns, because the water just stopped, started at the top of this cliff and just poured down, it basically just wrecked the entire town. And there's video, actually, it's really scary, of homes that literally as the water hits and breaks and pushes, the homes just kind of, see, kind of shift and rock and tilt, and some of them literally just pop up and start to float and then crumble into the ocean. And literally there were homes that, this is where I lived my whole life, up and moving and gone, completely destroyed. Now why is that? When you build a home on a rock like this, and if you look at it, you can see how rocky the terrain is, when you build a home on a rock like this and a cliff like this, you don't have a way of building a proper foundation. There's nothing holding this, these homes in this spot. And so when, when, when water, when tons of water, when power and force hit it, there's nothing 
rooting and, and grasping and, and bringing these homes into, their, into the ground, they just simply are picked up, drifted away, they crumble, and they're left in ruin. Why do I share that? Well, first, it's a perfect example, of, a, a real-life example of what Jesus is talking about with foundation and with these homes being taken down. But it begs the question, it begs the question of what are you building? What is your foundation right now? What are you building upon in your faith today? What is your foundation? And I want you to get to hang that question out there, and we're going to come back to it. We're going to come back to it in a second. In everyday Christian living, here's, here's where I want to go with this, really. We are excellent. We are really, really good, especially this is a camp of leaders. We're so good at knowing what to say, what to do, what to post on Instagram and Facebook, what to look like, what to dress like, to make it look like on the surface, on the outside, man, they seem to have it all together. We're really good at that kind of obedience. Is the, as long as I look a certain way, then everything's going fine. If other people think things are going fine, then it's great. Just like this. Man, everything seems like it's perfect and beautiful there. But very little do we actually consider what it means to build a correct and right and solid foundation. And we're more caught up in the, having the pretty walls, having the pretty home, having the nice decorated area that we live in so that other people can see it and say, wow, that looks cool. And not caring about what's on the inside or underneath. For some of you, you know what this looks like. I, I know even for myself, when you, when you do stuff like this and you are in front of people a lot, I, I'll be honest, I know how to act and look and talk and know the right words to say. I know the prayers to pray. I know how to look like, wow, that guy really is on top of his faith right now. I know how to do that. And it would be really easy, and at times, I'll be honest, it is really easy for me to just keep on surviving with that mentality of obedience. As long as I look the part, everything's going well. Well, many of you do that, and, and I do this, and there's times in your lives where underneath, there's, it, it's absolute ruin. The sin that's invading your life and destroying you is, is taking root, and eventually, that outside picture that you're, you're giving out to other people, when pain and difficulty and doubt and struggle come, it'll mow it down, and everything that's happening underneath that no one can see, that begins to show. And so Christ is saying, what is... What is your foundation? What do you guys post on Instagram? What do you guys post on Facebook? What are the moments in your youth groups and on your camps? Like, look at what we're doing. This is awesome. And everything looks like everybody's looking at those pages. Like, wow, they're doing all these amazing spiritual things. But we don't post or take pictures of or Instagram other moments in our lives that don't happen to match up with these other moments that we like to, take, to, to, to show. is obedience, is listening to God's word and acting upon it. Something that you have ever really, truly taken seriously in your practical, everyday lives. Or have you just really been more concerned with looking the part? What are the areas of your life today that you have rejected or ignored Christ's words. I want everybody to think about that. If you're a note taker, write them down. What are the areas in your life that you said, yeah, in this, these ways I want to look like or I want to be an obedient Christian, but in these ways I don't really want 
God's word to take. I, I like being able to do this on Friday nights a little bit too much. I don't want obedience to creep into that part of my life. I like this little hidden sin that nobody knows about that I do temporarily, I do every so often. I don't want Christ's obedience to, to affect that part of my life. The way that I speak about these people at school, the way that I conduct myself in the lunchroom, and the way that I look down or talk down to others, and I like to be associated with these kinds of people, the language that I use when I'm with my buddies on my football team or my soccer team, that's a part of my life that I don't want God and the idea of obedience getting to. What are the areas of your life that you said, that's great, Here, here's what I want to show, here's what I want people to see. And what are the areas of your life that says, no, I don't want to think about obedience when it comes to that area of your life. In other words, what's the private and public way that you view faith and you, and you view obedience? Is obedience something that is superseded, has it destroyed just not only the, the, I don't want to use the word destroyed, has affected not only the public way that you conduct yourself, but also the private, things that people do not see. So the purpose for obedience, God has given us a purpose, Christ has given us a purpose for obedience. Why do I obey? In a response to who he is, but also as we look at the results of what it means to not obey. And then our last point we're going to look at is this power of obedience. Remember that question, how do I obey? How do I do this? And I would love to, just every single talk this week, give you a list of, here are the ten greatest tips on how to be an obedient Christian. And I would love to believe that you all are going to go home and do those perfectly. But I think many of us have seen that fall flat one too many times. And so what does Christ say? This is going to be our last point. What does Christ say about the power the power of obedience. How do I obey? Well, notice in, in Luke 6, as we looked at it, Christ uses a word. And I want to point us to that word. So I find it again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do what I tell you? He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation. I want you to hear this. Foundation on the rock. Later on, he says, the one who hears him and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the whole parable kind of hinges on this idea of foundation and not a foundation. And now stop. I don't want you to, to hear what I'm not saying. What many of us read this parable with and we come away with is this. And even what we're doing right now even is, okay, the foundation of what it means to follow Christ is my obedience. The first time we read this, it might seem Okay, Christ is saying that if I obey, that's my foundation. The foundation of what it means to, to really know the Lord, to really understand the Lord, to be a Christian, to follow him, to be a disciple, is what I do. And that's not what Christ is saying. Because you know, want to know why he drops this word of foundation? This is cool. Christ knows that those that are listening to him are people that know, most of them know their Bible well and have read the Old Testament and know the key themes that are in there. And they know, he knows that they understand what the word foundation, the idea of a foundation, actually is biblically. Because when you look at the Old Testament and when you look at other places in Scripture, there's this idea of foundation, and I'm going to use this word cornerstone, that's brought up. And Christ knows that when he uses this word foundation, everyone, most people listening are going to think he's talking about the promise of the Messiah. I know, I know passages in the Old Testament that talk about foundation and a cornerstone being the hope of a Messiah, being the hope of Christ. So when, when he says build on the foundation, he's not saying, go home, guys, go home from YXL and build on what you're going to be doing. Then you'll grow near to me. He's saying, go home and build your foundation upon me. 
Because when you hear the word foundation, when you hear the word cornerstone, you think of Christ. How do I know that? Psalm 118. The stone that the builders, is a prophecy, the stone the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. In other words, the stone that Christ, Christ would be rejected, despised by men, pushed away. We know the story. And in that rejection, that stone would become the cornerstone the basis for our foundation. In Acts 4.11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which now has become the cornerstone. Christ knows this reality, this image, this picture of himself, and he's using this word foundation to connect to those listening. It is important for you to do what I say. And in order for you to do what I say, build on a foundation. What's the foundation? I'm the foundation. Me and my work, what I have done, that is the foundation. What is is a cornerstone? This is a cornerstone. It's a picture of an old, the way a cornerstone may have looked in Jesus' time. Um, And I'm going to look at the definition here in a second. It's the stone that that people kind of build, shocking, in the corner of of what's going to be the building that they are starting. It's the first stone that is laid. In a found- so not only is it a foundational stone, it's the first stone that is laid in building a foundation. And I, I hope this just rocks your world the way that it rocked my world when I first looked it up. I looked up an actual worldly definition for, for cornerstone. And so this is not, the, what I'm about to show you is not from a commentary, it's not from a, a cool Christian book, it's not from C.S. Lewis. This is straight from an actual like Webster definition of what a cornerstone is. This is what basically Webster says about cornerstones. The cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. Important since, listen to this, all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. That was one more time. It's important, the cornerstone is important because since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. I love that. Because we can take what Christ has talked about himself being the foundation of any, anything that we build. And when Christ uses the word foundation, he's saying this. He's saying as you begin to think about obedience, you guys want to go home from this camp and you guys want to actually know what it means to obey. You want to know what it means to say, my life's going to look different. There's things, like Paul said last night, there's things that I'm sick of doing that I want to stop doing. And there's things that I've always wanted to begin doing that, that I'm just, I haven't been doing and I want to start doing those things. We want to go home and we want to actually begin to build that building, build that structure. That's great. And we're going to talk about, it's important to want to go home and build that structure. And Jesus says, Wait, before we get into that, every stone that you're going to tack onto this house of obedience that we want to build this week, we must lay a cornerstone first because every stone of obedience that we want to lay in our lives must be set in reference to the cornerstone of Jesus and what he's already done. And furthermore, where, how Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives determines the position of the entire structure of what we're building in our lives. In other words, do we want to go home and build a structure that is faithful and loving and humble, obedient followers of Christ? We must lay the first stone 
a cornerstone that is him and his work. And that determines the position of every other stone. In other words, if you build upon a different cornerstone, if you put image, if you put status, if you put success, if you put popularity, if you put having a good functional family, achievement, comfort as your cornerstone, guess what? That's going to determine the position of every other thing in your life. That's going to, that's going to, everything else that you build in your life is going to be set in reference to that cornerstone of comfort, success, achievement, power. And so we're going to, I'm closing today with, with this question. As we talk about obedience, we talk about wanting to live more faithful, obedient lives to Christ, which is important. It's a simple question, but I think it's an important one. What is your cornerstone? What are you in your lives today building upon? What is the center of your life? And, and really, it'd be tempting to say, is it Christ or is it, is it football? Is it video games? Is it my relationship with my girlfriend? But really, I'm going to put it this way. Is the cornerstone for your life Jesus or yourself? Because all those other things that I mentioned, at the end of the day, root in you. Are rooted in you and and what you want your life to look like. And positioning your whole life into what you hope it looks like. And Christ says, no. It's not about you. It's not about your stone being about you and your life and your hopes and dreams and wants. Which, by the way, those are good things to some degree. But it's about me. And we can't begin. This is how I wrote it. We can't begin this week to to think about pursuing and obeying Christ in our life without looking back and completely depending upon and looking at his power and his grace as our cornerstone. And so what's your cornerstone? For some of you, it's going to be the way that literally you look right now. What are these guys over here that I think are cute? What are they looking at me in my outfit right now? What is my image? Who are people thinking about me right now? Do they they think that I'm, I'm cool? Do they think that I'm cute? Do they think that I'm fun? And, and all day long, the temptation is going to be, what are every, what's everybody else in this camp thinking about me and who, what I'm looking like and what, I, what I'm saying right now? That, that can be a cornerstone. For those of, others of you, it might be achievement. It might, for, for some of you, it might be image. It might be p- the way that people look at you. Others of you, it might, be, it might be status. It might be, in other words, it might be achievement. It might be, I really want to get good grades, and I really want to be seen as a well-to-do person, and I don't want to be seen as anybody who's, who, who, who's a rebel, so I just look pretty, I look good, I look great on the outside all the time which seems obedient, but really it's still focused on you. It's still a cornerstone based on you and who you are and, and, and what you're trying to produce and create and how others are viewing you as somebody that has high achievement, that's, that's on the top of the list. Some of you, that will be your cornerstone. And here's the good news, and then I'm going I'm to close with this, guys. The good news is this. The life And the death of Jesus Christ has the power to crush and destroy any foundation, any any cornerstone that currently you might be building in your life. The gospel says that the power of Jesus and his death and resurrection and inviting that into your life destroys, embracing that cornerstone in your life, destroys, can obliterate, can crush the most solidified cornerstone that you've built for yourself can be done away with and be rebuilt with the cornerstone of Christ. Christ said, build obedience to my words by building upon me. Build a house of obedience to my words, please. 
but build that house of obedience on the foundation of me, my work, my grace, my love for you, and build upon that. And so today, whether you have a time for a devotional, whether you have a moment of quiet reflection, just write that question down. What, what are the things in my life that I'm building on right now that are, not, that are not Christ? It could be something that I mentioned. It could be something else that you know is there that you've never told anybody, you've never shown anybody. But this week, in your life, what are, what are you building on? What's been the foundation? What's been the cornerstone? And what would it even look like this week to begin to think about how Christ and the power of Christ, how the power of Christ can help us and show us and lead us in destroying those cornerstones and embracing his work for us. Let's pray. Jesus, we we love you and and we thank you for for who you are and what you've done. Um, We just confess right now that we, we have cornerstones in our lives. We have foundations that are simply not you. And some of us have multiple cornerstones. I know many times in my life I do. And everyone here, camper, counselor, pastor, we confess, Lord, that we love building upon ourselves. We love building upon what, other, what we want other people to view us as. And It's so hard sometimes, Lord, to really think about what it means to build upon who you are and what you've done. We just want to build ourselves. Lord, we want to to have something. We want to show it to you and say, look what I've done for you. Look at what I've built for you, Jesus. And Lord, you, you turn it around and say, look at what I have already built for you. Jesus, help us to be convicted by that. Help us to be very clear in our lives about what it is that we're building upon. And, and Lord, we invite you in the power of your Holy Spirit to crush those things. Help us to run to you and turn to you as we think about obedience this week. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.